going on guys this is the nba this is the nba this is the nba draft tonight this is the <laughs> dynasty edition of the sports gambling podcast network on the sports gambling podcast network brought to you by bird dog shorts dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts with free yeti style tumbler when you order at birddogs.com backslash pool that's bird dog birddogs.com backslash pool we're going to talk about some fantasy football breakouts but first i'm going to introduce the guest marcus grant thanks for coming on sir yeah, man. I was just going to say that uh, for me, Victor Wimbanyana is uh, the 1.01 in, uh, I guess, in, I don't know, is Dynasty Basketball a thing? I'd imagine it has to be, right? It is. I'm I'm not in there yet. Um, I'm sure eventually I'll get into that. But uh, yeah, he's got to be the 101. Has to be. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's the 101 in the draft. You match him up with Pop. It's it's good to go. <laughs> well, please. By the give... way, congrats to the guy who bet $60,000 to win three hundred. Uh, you see, did you, I don't know if you saw no. this. No, um, a guy bet sixty thousand dollars that Wimbanyana would be the number one pick in the draft, and it it paid off three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a lot of risk for a little bit of reward. <laughs> uh, make sure you give my guy Marcus uh, a follow, uh, Marcus. You've all, always been, you know, really easy to work. You know, whenever we reach out and ask you to come on, and then last year at the expo. Um, just hanging out with everybody. Uh, really appreciate appreciate that, and uh, love to see what you guys are doing over there. I love seeing Laquan on there with you as well. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I mean, he came over last summer uh, as a researcher, moved out from Jersey, moved his whole family out, um, and brought him out to Los Angeles. Has been doing research for us for the last year, and um, you know, I've been trying to just get him, ease him in, right? Just sort of, if I could, just very, you know quietly pry him away from the research team and bring him over fully to the fantasy side uh that would be great but in the meantime you know we try to just slide him into the pod where we can well and i love the stuff you're doing with dynasty making it you know a little bit more mainstream and uh the videos are amazing thanks <laughs> yeah thanks. i you know i have to get back on my my tiktok uh grind again i was doing it for a while i kind of fell off i have some things cooking um and so i think i think by me saying it out loud here, that's my motivation to actually finish them. I can't just like, you know, tell everybody and tease it and then not do it. So I'll, I will say it out loud. I have some things cooking for TikTok and hopefully I will, uh, you know, get off my ass and, and actually get them. Well, if, uh, if you guys don't follow him on TikTok, follow him on TikTok and then just give him a, hey, where, where's the video? Where, where's the video? Right. Just, just <laughs> harass me until I get it done. Uh, always, uh, as always, housekeeping. Uh, make sure you guys, you know, send us your questions, like, subscribe. We've got the Discord channel. And hit as always, hit that, hit that subscriber button from Jakey. So uh, first question, Marcus, super serious question. If you were in a dynasty league and your league was a Nintendo league, what would your team name be? I, I guess I'd have to, you know, officially like you know, workshop it a little bit, but it would be something about. Tecmo Bowl Jackson, Tecmo Bowl Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl Jackson. I don't know, but you know, um, I know that everybody of a certain age talks about uh, how amazing Michael Vick was on Madden, and it's absolutely true. But before that, the most dominant video game football player of all time was Bo Jackson with the Raiders. If you just handed him the ball, it was pretty much a wrap. You were going to the house every time you got it. The only the only thing about Bo in that game is that he couldn't really catch the football, but it didn't matter because you also had Marcus Allen in that backfield and he could catch the ball really well. So, you know, having Bo Jackson was the ultimate cheat code in Tech Mobile uh, back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. 
Yeah, if you could find a way to get Bo Jackson on offense and and Lawrence Taylor on defense, you you would have been <laughs> unstoppable. Uh, well, yeah, Tech Mobile is definitely where it's at. Uh, we're here to talk about breakouts, and uh, for breakouts, for me, the definition of a breakout is really someone that's not done it before. Um, you can use markers like you know two hundred fantasy points or a thousand yards. Um, every position's a little bit different. Um, your tight ends and quarterbacks, someone that has not finished in the top 12 that you expect to finish inside the top 12. Um, Marcus, did I miss anything or what's, what's your definition of breakout? I think I think those work. I also have heard people say, you know, finishing as, you know, a top 10 or top 12 player at their relative position, basically finishing as like, you know, say an RB1 or a wide receiver one, something like that. Um, I do think we need to come to a consensus definition of what a breakout is though right i mean we all we all want to talk about and we all do shows or write columns about breakout players um but we're all sort of working with different metrics so we need to you know plant a flag and be like you are not a breakout player until you have done x y and z uh and then it it makes it easier for us to find and then once we get that done we can work on sleepers again because that's a whole other ball that's a whole nother uh i've already (laughs) said i I have an issue with the term truther because they're usually not really telling the truth. They're just like hanging on to some false hope of a guy that's on their dynasty roster that someone needs to grab their shoulder and say, it's time to let it go. Um, I want to talk about Traylon Burks. Uh, he had a pretty interesting thread. So Burks over Ridley. Um, let's see if I could open the thread up here. Um, as far, as far as, Burks, where would you, where would you rank Traylon Burks? Is he a top twenty-four dynasty receiver? So it's funny that you. I've heard that this is the name that you start with. Uh, I I have been talking about Traylon Burks with multiple different people, and I think if I were being really honest with myself. Yeah, he probably is. Um, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to to do a podcast with the very smart, uh, very intelligent, very brilliant, great hair Dwayne McFarland, and he does every time we talk about him, he lays out all the reasons why we should love Traylon Burks. I mean, the metrics are all there. The fact that there really is no significant target competition in Tennessee. There are so many things that line up well for Traylon Burks, and. It's one of those things where you look at it analytically versus emotionally. Analytically, it is great. It, it, I won't say great, but very good for Traylon Burks. Emotionally, I look at it and I look at the Titans offense and I'm just like, <sighs> and I just can't really get fired up about Traylon Burks. But again, like I said, if I'm being really honest and, and, and looking at it rationally and, and trying to take uh, my own personal feelings about the Titans passing game out of it, then yeah, he, he probably is in Dynasty a top 24 receiver, a talented guy who's going to get a lot of targets, who is still very young. I think the only real concern is after this year, what does the quarterback position look like in Tennessee? Because one way or another, this is the last ride, I think, for Ryan Tannehill uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Does that mean it's Will Levis? What does Will Levis look like? Uh, could it be Malik Willis? Can he be better than he was last year? Uh, so those are sort of the questions to be answered. But in terms of opportunity and talent, uh, you know, Traylon Burks has a lot of it, and that should be enough to, to, to push him up that high. Yeah, so some of the guys he beat in this thread, Christian Watson, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel, Jordan Addison, Jerry Judy, who's tied with Ayuk, 
ahead of McLaurin, Dotson, Jamo, Quentin Johnston, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, Pickens, uh, Deontay. I mean, he essentially was a top five, top six super. Yeah, like, people are way higher on Traylon Burks than I am. Like, I, I went through that whole little diatribe just trying to, like, you know, talk myself into it. It seems like the community really has locked in on Traylon Burks, like, ahead of Michael Pittman. Um, yeah. And so I do those dynasty price checks, and it's really interesting to see. And I do know you got to take all Twitter polls with a grain of salt. So it's not science, but, um, I was very surprised and I was like, man, I wish I had some trailing Burke shares so I could sh- trade them because there's a lot of love on the streets. Apparently I, I was shocked. I mean, you know, I, I sort of get Jordan Addison, even though I, I think Jordan Addison is going to be the top rookie receiver this year, just um, mostly because of the situation. Uh, I think it's, it's sort of what it is, but again, I get it next year. Who knows what who the quarterback is in Minnesota? If it's going to be Kirk Cousins or if it's going to be somebody else, um, I mean, ahead of Michael Pittman, uh, ahead of ahead of Brandon Ayuk uh, in that 49er offense, uh, I I will tell you just as watching you scroll through that, uh, I had to catch my breath a little bit. I was I was shocked. Yeah, uh, same. And so that's why I wanted to bring that one up. And uh, glad that I'm not crazy. Um, <laughs> So uh, I want to talk to everybody about bird dogs. We got a special for everyone that's listening. Bird dogs makes you look good. Bird dogs got khaki shorts. They're designed for a, to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look, not that box look, you know, with the new balances for those dads out there. Bird dog shorts does the same exact thing as Lululemon, but fits way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made to be stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix that issue with cloud knit fabric. They look just like khaki, but stretch. Got to get some uh, Jim Harbaugh in these. Um, without having it to sacrifice the movement, Bird Dogs also is anti-stink wicking fabric. Keep you cool and dry all day. Go to birddogs.com backslash pool and enter the code pool to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com backslash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise. So let's uh, let's talk about these quarterbacks, and um, I actually put some on for Brad. So Brad, when you watch the show, let me know how I did, because I'm trying to put some guys you think and see if Marcus agrees or not. Marcus, you're the guest. Go first, Mr. Anthony Richardson. Yeah, uh, Anthony Richardson. I think is just he's he's sort of. I know we're always trying to find the next big thing, right? And everybody who sort of missed on Justin Fields is now looking around for who can be this year's Justin Fields. And if there is anybody, it's probably Anthony Richardson. And I, in, in the sense of, look, just like Justin Fields, we had questions about, we have questions about Richardson as a passer, right? I, I think he'll be fine. He's not going to be great. There's going to be you know some flaws in that first year. But at the same time, the running ability will be there. And I think, you know, we're all sort of predicting, projecting that when it comes to rushing yards, I think we're, I think most people are looking at like 800 yards as the baseline. So if he's getting you eight to 900 yards on the ground, if he can get you six to eight rushing touchdowns, um, then whatever you get from him as a passer, you just need him to not be terrible. You need him to not be just, you know, bottom of the barrel passer. As long as he's competent, then you're looking at a guy who I think comes in here and really challenges to be a top 12 quarterback in his first year. And if 
just if he turns out to be a better passer than a lot of people anticipate, that number only goes up. So uh, I, I think he's one of those guys where, you know, especially in best ball drafts, I'm drafting him where I can as a second quarterback, just trying to get some some shares of him everywhere. Uh, I've even done it in some some regular mock drafts or some redraft leagues, taking him as a, a second quarterback because I just I don't want to be the person who looks around and says at the end of the year like, man, I really should have drafted Anthony Richardson. So I'm really kind of just taking those shots where I can, uh, in the hopes that it really does turn out to be the way we we believe it can be. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk about the Shane Steichen uh, connection. Um, Steichen did great, he, great job helping, you know, build up and, and throw that offense out there for the Eagles with Jalen Hurts and his development. And also Justin Herbert, um, there's not a lot of rookie breakout quarterbacks, but Justin Herbert is, is the one. And uh, he did it on with five rushing touchdowns also had, you know, almost 4,000 yards through the air. Um, but he didn't rush. He only rushed for 230 yards. He didn't rush for 900 yards or something that we could see Anthony Richardson. But um, love love the fit there. Uh, I picked Tua, and I know he's a little bit controversy as far as the breakout. Last year he was having a good year, and he showed a little bit more upside than I think. I mean, I personally, I didn't know he had that in his bag, throwing six touchdowns. I mean, he, he had a monster week, and he somehow still was QB2 because Lamar Jackson went nuclear but he scored like 56 points that week. And I just didn't know he had that. But when you got Jalen Waddle, when you have, you have Tyreek Hill, you're going to be pretty good. And so I know the health concerns are there, but if you're talking about a guy with some serious upside, Tua's got the upside because of those weapons, potentially getting Dalvin Cook. They got Devin A-Chain. Um, th this, this defense got a lot better. Um, I think it's going to be a fun team. And if he can stay healthy, I mean, he was a top 10 quarterback on a points per game basis last year. It, it just comes down to the health. Uh, Marcus, what are your thoughts on, on Tua? Yeah, I, I think everything you said about Tua is right. I mean, when you've got that track team, I mean, literally a track team around him when Crazy. you talk about uh, Hill and Waddle and even in the backfield with A-Chain and Mostert and Jeff Wilson – there's so much speed on this offense, and it really is just a matter of him staying healthy. I mean, we all watched last year as he, he dealt with concussions, and you know it got kind of scary at some point to watch Tua, and I think that all, that's always going to be, unfortunately, you know, an issue. I think it's something that we're always going to be concerned about with him, but in terms of what he has around him and, and having a guy like Mike McDaniel there uh, helping coordinate that offense – uh, I definitely would not be surprised if you see Tua end up. Uh, what, I mean, what is the ceiling? Top eight? Can he? Can he be? A, do you think he can be a top five quarterback? But I, I think certainly uh, a big year potentially is is coming if he stays healthy. And what are your thoughts on Kenny Pickett? I've seen him as a very popular pick as a breakout candidate. Not a whole lot of rushing upside, but he's got a pretty good situation there in Pittsburgh, and he's got a year of experience under his belt. I. I appreciate the optimism on Kenny Pickett, um, and I'm not. I'm not going to say he's going to be bad. I just. I just don't know. Um, I feel like, you know, what we saw from him last year was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't very special. Um, I'm not ready to write him off just yet, but I'm also not not in enough to say that I. I think he breaks out this season. Now he does have 
some pieces around him to help, right? I think Deontay Johnson's an outstanding receiver. Forget the fact that he scored zero touchdowns last year. I think you got to kind of wipe that out. Um, but having Deontay Johnson there, having, you know, I know people are going to split on George Pickens. He is a human highlight reel. Even if he's not consistent week to week, he can make big splash plays for you. Adding Allen Robinson, uh, you know, I know he wasn't great in Los Angeles last year, but he still brings a veteran presence who can, who can get open and earn targets occasionally. Pat Fryermuth being there. There are a lot of weapons around Kenny Pickett. I just don't know how good he can be. So um, I guess that's a long way of saying I'm taking this year to really watch him, to reserve judgment and really watch Kenny Pickett. Um, and if he breaks out, hey, I'll sit here and say, yeah, man, uh, you know, I, I missed on that one. But I just I'm just giving him kind of an incomplete grade at this point. Yeah. And I mean, can he improve on last year? I mean, he absolutely is going to have to seven, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions isn't going to cut it. Um, I do like the improvements on the offensive line. I do like, you know, the weapons around him and a healthy Najee. But um, I do think he's one of those guys similar to like a like a Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, like that's his ceiling. And those guys were never really like top fantasy guys. Like those, they weren't even like Kirk Cousins level of fantasy, like fan, cause they didn't get the, the yardage and the turnovers, you know, they, they hurt. If you get a bunch of turnovers, it can't hurt. If Pickens, if Pickett struggles, will they go back to the, uh, go back to Trubisky with Allen Robinson? I don't think Allen Robinson wants that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think he wants that to happen. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, well, I'm going to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy. Then we're getting to the running backs. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. You heard Marcus talking about earlier. Best Ball season is here. Underdog Pick'em is also it's a great way to get down on your fair MLB and college baseball player props. So, so many ways to win over Underdog and active in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Let's talk about these running backs. we got two rookies on the board and a first-year starter with Alexander Madison, but let's start with Mr. Bijan. You asked me if this was uh, too easy. (laughs) Hasn't Um, broke out yet. He has not broke out yet, but I feel like everybody's expecting him to. I mean, it's not uncommon at this point to hear people say they think, you know, the the ceiling is RB1 overall. I mean, that's how big, uh, that's how high people are on B. John Robinson. And look, it makes sense, right? We always throw around the phrase generational talent to the point that it's, it's sort of become a punchline. But you are talking about a guy who is an incredible prospect. Um, you know, does everything. And he lands in one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league with a head coach and Arthur Smith who wants to run the football. And now they're, you know, showing us mini camp videos of him lining up and running routes and catching passes. And we're all drooling over what it can be. Um, and so, you know, it just, I feel like, you know, if he doesn't, if he finishes Outside the top 10 running backs, we will be incredibly disappointed. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he will finish as the RB1. Uh, I think there are other other you know, places in the, in the offense to go. In fact, you know, there's another guy in Atlanta that I have as a potential breakout guy. So, I, you know, I think a big season is coming for Bijan Robinson. I understand why you have to spend a first-round pick on him in best ball leagues and in redraft leagues because – 
the opportunity it's it's one of those things where opportunity meets talent and everything seems to be pointing toward Bijan having a great season I think you know I think you're looking at 250 touches or more I think you're looking at you know 1400 or more scrimmage yards I think you could be seeing double digit touchdowns I really do think there's a lot of goodness coming for Bijan Robinson this year yeah, it's a great offensive line. Uh, they they ran the ball the the most, and they had the, you know they had the third most rushing yards last year. Um, and, and this system has featured backs before, um, you know, with Derrick Henry. So, um, yeah, sky's up. I know that we're probably all setting you know the bar extremely high for Bijan, um, but this guy deserves it. And and uh, I, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he ended up being the RB one overall. Um, Alexander Madison is a very interesting guy. Um, he's younger than people think. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time, but he's still 25. Uh, he's the same age as Najee Harris. Um, same age as Stetson Bennett. Um, <laughs> but Alexander Madison, he's been that guy. He's been like the ultimate, like every time you draft Alvin Cook, you have to get Alexander Madison. And then he's come in and delivered. I mean, I think maybe one game he did not deliver, but on average, he's scoring 20 PPR points in his eight games where he got, you know, over 15 touches. Do I expect him to go be Dalvin Cook? No. Do I expect him to be a top 10 running back? No. But I do think there's very, he could be a borderline RB1 in this offense with, it's a very explosive offense and with how they use the running back and uh, he also could be a two-year starter based on the contract. But what are your thoughts, Marcus, on Alexander Madison? I think what works in Madison's favor is that traditionally the Vikings have been kind of a one-back offense in that, you know, whoever the starter is, that's the guy that they roll with. Now, maybe it, maybe that was because they just loved Dalvin Cook that much and he was that productive. Maybe that doesn't really apply when it turns into Alexander Madison. But I'm willing to kind of take that shot, especially where the ADP is. You're not really, um, I mean, you know, look, we're not talking about you getting him at the, the end of drafts, but you're also not having to spend, you know, a first, second, third round pick to get an Alexander Madison. So um, I think the opportunity cost is worth the, the chance you're taking on bringing a guy like that in. And again, you know, I, I'm curious how they use him in the passing game. I mean, you know, Dalvin Cook was a big part of catching the football there. Will they do the same thing with Alexander Madison, or will they you know, find another guy to catch passes on third down for them? But I do think the opportunity is there for Madison to have a really good year. And you're right. If you drafted Dalvin Cook, you had to turn around and draft Alexander Madison. I do think it's funny, though, that the moment uh, Dalvin Cook was released in, in Minnesota, uh, you saw a lot of tweets and a lot of takes about uh, you know, hey, so now that he's gone, do we go out? Do we draft? Uh, you know, is it Ty Chandler? Is it Dwayne McBride? Everybody was already sort of looking for the guy behind the guy. Looking there. for the zag. Yeah, exactly. Looking for the guy behind the guy there, which sort of makes me laugh about this whole thing that we do. I, you read my mind because that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to talk about. I mean, Dynasty, what, what's nice about his price is there is a lot of people that don't believe in him. Brad's one. And so they don't believe in him. And so they're going and looking to be the contrarian, which helps his price for those that do believe in him. So he's not to the point where you're buying him at his ceiling. Um, but yeah, everybody's got a take. I've seen, uh, you know, Tony Pollard comparisons to 
um, uh, Ngakwe or, or the, the, the one uh, I like, okay, kick okay, Nwongu, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Nwongu, and then, uh, yeah, Ty Chandler, uh, and then Dwayne McBride, who's you know, he's more of a he's more of a bruiser, he had very little uh, rushing, you know, I'm passing upside. Um, they got him in, I think, the sixth or seventh round. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting to see how the dynasty community works where they, they always want to outsmart everybody else. And those of us that have been a fan of Madison for a while are just like, all right, finally, let's uh, let's see what he's got. Uh, a couple going back to quarterbacks, just real quick. If you were to, if you were to have to take one, would you take Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter? Ooh. I that's a tough one. I, I might take Sam Howell. I'm I'm really thinking. I'm really thinking this through right now. I might take Sam Howell. I, I I think Ritter's fine, but I do think you have to take into account that it is going to be a run heavy offense. I think they're going to try to throw the ball a lot more in Washington. Um, and I think Howell is going to be a guy who's going to be aggressive, push the ball downfield. They've got they've got good wide receivers with McLaurin and Dotson. Um, you know, and I think I, I I've said this before too. I, I think maybe I'm drinking a little bit of the Eric Bieniemy Kool Aid, seeing what what he can do potentially now that he's got his own shop to run there in Washington. Um, so I think that for me pushes Howell slightly over the edge uh, over Ritter. Yeah, and with the running backs, there, this could there could be like 20 running backs on this breakout candidates. Um, would you rather Rashad White or Damian Pierce? Pierce um I don't know I just want nothing to do with the Bucks this year um yeah like and I know everybody keeps talking about you know Leonard Fournette was bad and and Rashad White deserves the the, the job and I'm like well Rashad White really wasn't much better and the offensive line is terrible um I, I think I don't think either of these offenses is going to be great particularly uh but I feel like I saw more out of Damian Pierce last year than I saw out of Rashad White uh and like I said I'm I am generally kind of staying away from bucks and drafts everything about that offense just makes me a little bit queasy yeah and let's go on to my last running back and that is jameer gibbs i gave that one to brad um you know i play a majority of ppr leagues at least half point ppr and so this guy is the way they're talking him up and the fact that he went 12th overall and then immediately got rid of a very good running back in deandre swift Tells me that this guy's gonna get the ball a lot. Do I do I think he gets you know twenty five touches a game? No, I don't think so. But I do think he's gonna get the targets, and you don't really need twenty five touches. You know, Ramondre Stevenson averaged about seventeen or eighteen last year. We've seen Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara and and Austin Eckler. You know, they've had sub two hundred carries pretty much their entire career, and they've been fantasy football studs. And so if this guy can get enough volume in the passing game, which I think he can, then the sky's the limit. He's another guy that could easily be a top, you know, running back. And you talk about breakouts. There's not a lot of rookie quarterbacks that break out. It happens, but there's not a lot. If they do, they need the rushing upside like Anthony Richardson or Justin Herbert or Cam Newton, those guys. Running backs break out year one. I mean, these guys, they come into the league in their prime. And I think these both of these guys could be top 12 in the league this year. Yeah, no, I like Jameer Gibbs a lot. Um, that offense is going to be amazing. I think, again, I think they're going to be – they might even be uh, more potent than they were last year. And, you know, 
I think everybody is sort of kind of pegging it as, hey, Jameer Gibbs is going to step in and sort of be what DeAndre Swift was. David Montgomery steps into a little bit of the Jamal Williams role. Now, I, I don't think we can completely discount what David Montgomery can be. I know like people sort of like to dump on him. I'm a kind of a closet David Montgomery fan. Um, so I don't think you can completely just discount him because I think he's going to get uh, a lot of short yardage goal line looks. And so that touchdown upside will certainly work in his behalf. But uh, I do expect that we're going to see Jameer Gibbs catch a lot of passes. He's incredibly explosive, uh, and I would not be surprised if we talk about him as kind of a high-end RB2 uh, at some point late in the season. Yeah, and I'm with you on Montgomery, who's still pretty young, but uh, as soon as Gibbs got picked up, I had a lot of people in my inbox trying to trade for Derek Mong- or David Montgomery. No, th- I mean, that was a very valuable uh, offense to have both running backs last year, but really the, you know, the guy that is the – the goal line back. And I don't expect David Montgomery to have 17 touchdowns, but I mean, 10 touchdowns in that offense behind that offensive line is not out of the possibility. And, you know, for him to get some, you know, healthy work in in the, in the carries department, I think, uh, you know, I I think that Montgomery could be also be a back in, you know, RB two. Yeah, no, I think I think that's possible. Um, you know, again, I, the touchdown upside sort of keeps him afloat, and he will grind out just enough yards to, uh, you know, have some value. I think week to week. And so this one we have uh, we have one jet, not two. Elijah Moore there is now on the Browns. Garrett Wilson, who I think probably some low hanging fruit, and then Drake London. So, uh, what do you what's your thoughts on Drake London? Uh, I think Drake London was pretty good last year, all things considered. Um, I know we all were frustrated sort of by the passing game or the lack of a passing game in Atlanta. But I think when you you step back and take a look at what London was able to accomplish, it was not a bad season. And I think when you especially put it in context of the fact that Marcus Mariota was incredibly inaccurate, um, then that, that makes it look a little bit better. So now they've made the switch to Ritter. And I think this is just me sort of believing that Ritter – is going to be a more productive option than Mariota. Not enough for me to want to draft Desmond Ritter, but for enough for me to want the pieces around him. I think it's the reason that we're all still sort of in, not all sort of in, that we're all still really in on Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I just think you know, you're gonna see some more quality targets. And so last year, all things considered, Drake London had 866 yards. He had four receiving touchdowns. He had you know, 70, 72 catches on 117 targets. I think if you have a more accurate quarterback, you see all those numbers go up. And again, there isn't a ton of target competition. You've got London. You've got Pitts. Bijan Robinson will sort of get some, some opportunities there. But it's really going to be those two guys getting a lot of work in the passing game. And so uh, last year – Look, admittedly, I'm I'm a bit of a USC homer. I'm gonna I'm gonna root for those guys. This year, I said it's Jordan Addison who will be the top rookie receiver. Last year, I said it was Drake London. I believe I, I believe it honestly, mostly because of their situations. And I think we're gonna start to see this year out of Drake London what I thought we would have seen last year. Yeah, th- there's a lot of highlights last year, which were really kind of lowlights that you can show, like Marcus Mariota just spraying the ball over the field and being like. Like we need to relax a little bit with the hate on Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And I'll be honest, people are, some people are hating on Drake London. I mean, you should throw, you throw out how he's productive at the end of the year last year. The first thing they're going to point out is Kyle Pitts wasn't healthy. And I'm like, yeah, but the guy was actually getting balls that he could catch and he caught him. 
And Didn't like, we do the same thing with Amon Ross St. Brown, by the way? Yes. A couple years ago, we did the exact another, another USC receiver. Uh, this is the exact <laughs> same thing with, with Amon Ross St. Brown, where at the end of the year, it's like, oh, well, TJ Hawkinson wasn't there. And, you know, DeAndre Swift was banged up and this and that. And it's like, it, it just carried over the next year. All of a sudden, St. Brown's great again. And we're like, oh, maybe he's just actually good at football. So maybe this is what it is. Maybe Drake London is actually just good at football and the circumstances were such that it kind of allowed him to, to pick things up. But I, you know, I, I, I just think everything, everything we saw earlier with Traylon Burks, why is Drake, like, why is Drake London not getting that kind of love? Like they're like, Oh, Traylon Burks is the number one of a very stinky offense. <laughs> like you're the, you're the number one because the number two is really bad. And you know, he's the number one here. And people are taking Traylon Burks over him and, and think he's going to break out. And I think it's, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, confirmation bias. Um, but like everyone got on board and then people like to kind of try to tear somebody down. But I, I do like London and uh, Ritter was just such a more accurate passer and just better decision maker um, in that offense. And, and that offense could get a better, you know, quarterback here in the next year or two. If, uh, if Ritter doesn't work out um, Garrett Wilson, uh, again, I say this is low hanging fruit, but last year this guy did a whole lot with not much. Yeah, Joe Flacco, Mike White, Zach Wilson. It was, and he just went out and did it. And so, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and those guys have really kind of spoiled us, and our expectations are super high. And so we see 800 yards from a rookie receiver, and we're not impressed. We should be very impressed. This didn't happen, you know, in. in seven, eight seasons ago. Like it was very rare to see rookie receivers doing what these guys are doing. They're doing it early. Garrett Wilson and Drake London, they look like they belong. They look like alphas. And I can't wait to see Garrett Wilson with an upgraded quarterback. I know Rodgers is not the same, um, but I can't wait to see Garrett Wilson this year. What are your, what are your thoughts on him? No, I mean, I think this is an easy one. Uh, absolutely. That, uh, you know, I, I see, I think it speaks volumes that last year, we were excited when Mike White was playing because it <laughs> meant more opportunities for guys like Garrett Wilson, right? Like, again, not that we were, like, super high on Mike White. We didn't think he was going to suddenly, you know, lead the Jets to glory. But we're like, man, it makes it, makes it better for his pass catchers. That's how bad Zach Wilson was. And you're right. The Aaron Rodgers that they're getting in New York isn't exactly the same guy uh, that, that we saw in Green Bay for all those years. But he's still better than anything the Jets have run out there. Uh, over the last few years, um, the only the, other, the last thing I'll say about it is uh, never knock low hanging fruit. I always say low hanging fruit. Uh, it tastes as good as a fruit at the top of the tree, and you don't have to work as hard to get it. So it's all good. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so you know, with with Garrett Wilson, um, you know, I, I just I love the fact that you know these route running savants and these guys like like Jordan Addison, who's a very good route runner they do well for fantasy football early and honestly better than these big athletes, the size and speed guys. And you see that. And so when you're looking at wide receiver breakouts, they typically don't happen year one. It's usually year two or three. The majority of them happen. They are guys that do work in the slot. You see guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Cooper cup, the guys that, you know, Justin Jefferson that, that really produce early are not just on the outside. They're working in the slot they're doing different things in college football. A lot of these guys are playing in the slot. Part of that is, you know, you're putting your best guy against their third or fourth, you know, best corner. 
you're also moving him around so they can't get their hands on him and stop him at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes that does hurt the receiver's development because they can't really don't really know how to develop that. But in the NFL, if you let them do the same thing, then they go out and ball out. And we've seen it with a lot of these young receivers. CD Lamb's another one. Jalen Waddle. These guys are just studs right off the bat. Uh, I don't completely agree. Absolutely agree. Elijah Moore. And so this one I put on there, Brad has to have one homer take every episode. <laughs> and so he's a Browns fan. And I'll just say this. This was a pretty good receiver class. And they they took pick 52, or 42 actually, pick 42 that was used in the Aaron Rodgers trade to get Elijah Moore when there was good receivers on the board. Jaden Reed, Marvin Mims, that was in the you know the territory of you know Jonathan Mingo and those other guys. Um, they for me that that tells me that they have plans for Elijah Moore, um, and I think he fits right in there in the slot. Um, you know, as long as DeAndre Hopkins doesn't go over there, he could be the number two. Um, and Deshaun Watson, we had Michael F. Florio on the show, friend of Marcus, and he talked about last year. You know, I know we didn't see Watson like we had in the past. Obviously, had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life. That's all, you know, that's all there. He's also transitioning into a new offense, a new team. But the reason he didn't run the ball, I mean, they probably told him not to. There was no reason for him to put himself in harm's way. Um, we should see a better, I don't know if it's the same Deshaun Watson in the past, but a better Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore should be his top targets. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much how I feel about the Browns, right, is that they will go as Deshaun Watson goes, and I, I struggle to believe he will be as bad as he was last year. I think it was. It was um, you know, a lot of things. It was the long layoff that he had. It had been a long time since he'd played a live NFL football game. It was... Uh, you know, the pressures of everything, you know, uh, uh, everything that was happening away from the field and, and all the, the legal struggles that, that he went through. Um, you know, it was also the pressures, I'm sure, of trying to live up to that contract. I mean, that, that was a big, a big part of the conversation was how the Browns were going to, you know, how they could justify giving uh, that player that much money and have it all be guaranteed. So, there were a lot of things I think that were contributing to Deshaun Watson looking as awful as he did last year. I think he's going to be better. Um, you know, it's like I haven't drafted uh, Elijah Moore in as many places as I would like, but I do take some shots at Amari Cooper, and I, I think you're going to see a Browns passing game that uh, excels a little more this year. You know, and the, the rumor is they may be more of a pass heavy team than they have been in the past. Um, you know, that, that you've gone all in on Deshaun Watson. You want to see what you've got. They're putting weapons around him. So I'm, I, I can get down with Elijah Moore really stepping forward in a big way this year. Yeah. They use pretty high draft capital on receivers. They, they didn't have a first round pick and then they went and took their first, basically their, their first pick was Elijah Moore. And then they got Cedric Tillman after that. And so I um, already have Donovan Peoples Jones on the roster. You have, uh, Armand, you know, you have Amari Cooper on the roster who they got as a steal with those, you know, third and fifth draft picks or whatever they got for him. Um, just a, a question on two, uh, two guys, uh, Christian Watson and Jerry Judy. Uh, a lot of those guys, they're popular uh, breakout candidates. Thoughts on those two. Um. I think I'm a little bit more on the side of Watson than Judy 
Um, but I do, I do see a scenario where both of those guys can break out this year. I think what we saw from Watson uh, was very encouraging. He was a big run-after-the-catch guy, and I think that, that's going to hold him in good stead. We're also waiting to see exactly what Jordan Love is going to be, but I do think that there's going to be an opportunity for Watson to continue to get targets. I think he's going to be the number one target again because I don't, I don't know where else they're going to go with the football consistently. Um, you know, Romeo Dobbs was nice at the start of the season and fell off. You know, Jaden Reed is a rookie. There's really nobody else there that's going to command a lot of targets. Uh, as for Judy, um, I think he can really turn into something. I think so much of his situation is going to depend on one is can Russ cook or is Russ cooked? I think that's the big question that we're all trying to answer right now. And I think Sean Payton will find ways to get Judy the football. So I, I could see that happening as well. But, but if you're going to ask me which one I'm going to take, I'm probably going to take Watson ahead of him. Good to know. Good to know. I got some Watson shares. And the tight ends to finish it up. You have Mr. Chig on here. And uh, let's, let's talk about him. Yeah, no, I, Chig, Chig Oconquo looked really good last year. Uh, you know, I know that the sample size was fairly limited at the end of the season, but he played very well. Um, you know, in terms of, of being able to get targets, you know, he had 46 targets over a fairly limited sample size, turn that into 450 yards and three touchdowns. I think you see those numbers increase as he gets more playing time. And I talked earlier about Traylon Burks really being the main target there. There's not a lot of competition. Chigo Conquo is going to be the guy who I think uh, sees a lot of those opportunities. I just don't know where else they go with the football. You know, does Ty J Spears, uh, the rookie, get some opportunities as a third down back? Do they try and integrate Derrick Henry even more into the passing game? Uh, I don't really know, but I, I do think Chigo Conquo is in line for a, a pretty nice year. And I, look, I say this, I think you've got your top eight tight ends. You can put them pretty much in, in any order. After, say, the top eight, maybe nine guys at the position, there's probably about 15 different tight ends that you could, like, you could pull their names out of a hat in nearly any order, uh, and it would be hard to really argue with them. But I do think, you know, if I'm, if I'm stacking them, I would tend to put Oconquo higher to the, to the higher part of that list of 15, that group of 15, if you will, uh, than, than more toward the bottom. Yeah, and that's pretty in line with – I did a dynasty price check for him, and uh, I, he was going a little higher than I thought. Um, he was right around an early second-round pick. They had him uh, – I think it was tight end 14 or 15. Um, you know, a lot of the metrics really do point to this guy breaking out. When you're looking at some of these uh, breakout tight ends, you're looking for guys that are good yards after the catch, getting some good air yards, and they're top three on their team in targets. And so there's very likely it's very likely that he could see up to a thousand air yards if he stays healthy and get 60 to 70, maybe 80 targets in this offense where there's really nothing behind Traylon Burks. Uh, it's Nick Westbrook, Akine, and then Kyle Phillips, um, unless they somehow landed DeAndre Hopkins, who has kind of changed his tune. He said he was all about wonder ring, wanted a stable management and a good quarterback then he went over and visited the Titans. And so uh, <laughs> none of those things were, you know, really checking the box. Um, but we'll see. Um, I, I brought Dalton Kincaid and, you know, I talked earlier about there's very rarely a, a, you know, rookie breakout. Really the only rookie breakout we've had in recent times was Kyle Pitts. He was tight end six. He had a thousand yards and that's, that's pretty dang good 
for a tight end. I know it wasn't good enough because everyone expected him to have 2,020 <laughs> touchdowns and was mad at him. I mean, the kid was like 19, 20 years old during his rookie season. But I, I look at the Bills roster, and we were just going through Mike Clay's projections and just kind of diving in and seeing what he's thinking. And I was like, man, this Bills roster is not as good as I thought it was. You got Stephon Diggs. The second is Gabriel Davis, and then you have Khalil Shakir, and then you have Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. You have James Cook out of the backfield. I think it's a team that needs DeAndre Hopkins, but if they don't, I could see Dalton Kincaid being a second or third option on this team. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? No, I don't think you're wrong at all. And he's a guy that I I have loved drafting in best ball, um, taking shots at him. And again, not to bring everything back to USC, but I'm going to bring this back to USC. Watching him last year against the Trojans in the regular season, I I remember at one point watching the game and texting with my my old roommates and stuff and being like, you know, I don't think it's fair – that Utah gets to play Travis Kelsey against us because he went absolutely nuts in that game. Um, but that was sort of a microcosm of what his season was. And I think you're going to see the Bills use more two tight end sets. I think you'll probably see uh, Kincaid sort of line up as a big slot receiver, and they will try yep. to use him there and get him involved. So I can I can see him being kind of one of those rare rookie breakout tight ends. So I, I absolutely love that. And you're right. You, you break down that pass catcher group, and it's kind of Stefan Diggs and everybody else. And, you know, I think – it's easy to paper over that in the regular season when you've got Josh Allen, you know, running over people, scoring, running, rushing touchdowns. You got Stefan Diggs uh, doing really big things, but I think you've seen it come out in the playoffs uh, late in the season when defenses say, okay, well, we're just going to take Stefan Diggs away. We're going to double him and we're going to make you go somewhere else with the football. And the bills haven't really had an answer for that. So, you know, I don't know if Kincaid all by himself is the answer, but I do think he does add one more weapon to what is already a pretty potent offense. Yeah. As much as I love Diggs, I mean, he was pretty inconsistent at the end of the season last year. And part of it was just because like you said, defense is just, they took him all out of the game plan, and uh, that's part of the reason he's frustrated and part of the reason that they're having some issues with Diggs over there in Buffalo. Uh, the last guy on the board, and I'm sure that you you probably, just like everybody else, is a little sick of the Irv Smith breakout. <laughs> but, it, you know, is this, is this finally going to happen for Irv Smith? I don't know. I mean, I have been very much – I was for a while on the hashtag let Irv swerve train trying (laughs) to make it happen um you know i i really want it to happen i don't think cincinnati's the place it happens just because there are so many targets are available or so many places to go with targets i should say and i don't know that there are enough to go around for irv smith to be super productive right when you look at it and you know that uh Jamar Chase is going to occupy a lot of them. And you got to feed T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is not a bad receiver, right? If he were anywhere else, he would be, uh, you know, certainly a number two receiver, maybe even on a bad team, a number one receiver. Not a bad player, but he's the third option right now in the passing game in Cincinnati. That's before, uh, you know, you've got to get targets to Joe Mixon or whoever they're going to throw the ball out of the backfield. I just don't see enough opportunity for Irv Smith to break out. I would love it because I have been one of those people who's been waiting for this breakout moment to happen. I just don't think that even even in that offense that scores as much as it does with a quarterback like Joe Burrow, I still don't think 
Uh, there's enough targets for Irv Smith to break out this year. I want to be wrong, but I don't feel like I am. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously anything, it just playing 15 games would be a breakout for Irv. But, you know, I think the, the optimism that you're seeing, because a lot of Irv Smith's uh, is ADP is not is rising. It's not like expensive, but it's rising. And a lot of people see what Hayden Hurst did last year, where he was basically like eight or nine fantasy points every single week. And he ended up as, I believe, it was, you know, tight end 13 or 14. Um, on the season just because he played a full 17 games and had, you know, moderate production every week. Well, anybody we miss, Marcus? Um, I will say that I'll, I'll give you the other name that I had mentioned to you as a potential breakout running back, and that was Cam Akers. Um, and and I know it was on again, off again last year with him and Sean McVay, and it seemed like for a long time the Rams were really doing their best to try to be rid of him, and he just kept coming back because no matter what the Rams did, they grudgingly realized that he was their best option in the backfield. And I think now they've sort of leaned into it. And, you know, look, training camp reports are always to be sort of looked at critically and skeptically, but Sean McVay has really done his best to talk up Cam Akers saying he's really bought in and he's going to be a leader and he's going to be a central figure in this offense. And you look at the that uh, that depth chart behind him. I mean, right now, Kyron Williams, I think, is listed as the number two running back. They just went out and signed Sony Michelle, but that seems more like kind of uh, an insurance piece, maybe a camp body to sort of have there. In fact, last year, they tried Kyron Williams over Cam Akers. They tried to start him and give him more snaps. And in both of those games, Akers still outperformed him. So I think they really are sort of in there. I also think the other part of this is maybe we see more targets for Cam Akers. I don't think they're going to be necessarily designed targets or planned targets, but you've got a an aging uh, sort of beat up immobile Matthew Stafford behind an offensive line that's not going to be particularly great. Could be a lot of panic targets going in the direction of Cam Akers if the protection starts to break down. From our perspective, I don't care if they're planned or not planned, but if they're targets and he catches the football, uh, that still works out in our favor. So I, I do think that Cam Akers can, can step up and do something really good this year. And he's still young. I know the Achilles injury is, you know, that's usually a kind of a death sentence for running backs. And uh, he played really well. He's a good running back behind a really bad offensive line last year. And uh, the everything's baked into his cost. And so, yeah, I find myself – Okay, like this guy's been punished enough. Throw him on my team. Like nobody wants him. By the way, it's, so, it's, it's, apparently it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Cam Akers. Happy birthday, Cam Akers. That, yeah, that's a turned, nice little nugget. Wait, he's in 24? Turned 24 today. Yeah. <laughs> he's still younger than Najee Harris, and he's been in the league like four <laughs> years. All right. Well, hey, Marcus, I really appreciate your time, and I hope to see you at the expo. I will be there. Well, once I stop procrastinating, I have I have a hotel booked. I have tickets to the expo. I just got to, you know, get off my butt and book a plane ticket. But I uh, I am intending to be there yet again this year. I had a great time last year. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate it again. You're always so, so gracious with your time. Everybody, make sure you give Marcus a follow. As always, good luck this season.